anybody ever call on the name of Jesus? Anybody know there's power in the name of Jesus? Anybody know there's salvation in the name of Jesus? Anybody been saved by Jesus? Anybody in love with Jesus? Can somebody just thank God for Jesus? Oh, come on, can we take at least 10 seconds and give God praise for the Lord and Savior? This is a Christian church, so I can hold on. Anybody know Jesus? Anybody have a personal relationship with two or three people? Jesus. Demons have to flee. Call on the name of Jesus. Atmosphere changes. Call on the name of Jesus. Something happens. Look at your name and tell them something happens. Something happens. Something has to happen. Call on the name of Jesus. On the name of Jesus, we honor God. Today we honor God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, for being present in this house. He is here here all morning. Grateful to be a part of the congregation and the singing congregation who does not mind putting him in proper priority. Does not mind recognizing and realizing that he woke you up this morning. Therefore, we are come and entertain him. Not sit here and act as though he's supposed to entertain us. So I'm grateful. And God, you have allowed us to come and share in a place on this morning which I shame to praise and worship your holy name. God, you're worthy. Thank you for your presence. We do not only honor you, but also honor your set man in this house, the angel, this branch of Zion, the tribal chief of this church. Come on, let's thank God for the hundred shepherds. Reverend Dr. Jim Murphy, come on, let's encourage you this morning. God bless you, sir. We thank God for your leadership and all you represent. Come on, why would we celebrate God for passing on? Let's thank God for the lead lady of this ministry. Come on, let's thank God for his great mercy. Come on, y'all, throw her some kisses. Come on, birthday. God bless you. To my sister, my little sister Tasha. God bless you, sis. You're doing your thing. I tell you, you almost made me want to run around the church. Hallelujah. Thank God for the birth of each y'all. Are blessed. Uh, little great little Zion, Zion. I just call you Zion. Um, y'all are blessed. Y'all have jewels in the kingdom of God. I pray you recognize and realize and appreciate what God has done for you. The Lord has sent you in these two. Uh, we, we love them dearly, kind of in a sense, affectionately see them as our uncle and our auntie. In the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Listen, in the National Basketball Association, you talk about precision. National Basketball Association, uh, not too far from where we reside, uh, right out of Sea Pleasant, there's a professional basketball player by the name of Kevin Durant. His, his nickname, as the fans, his nickname is the Sniper. Uh, they call him Sniper because he scores with precision. I'd like to call your pastor. Uncle, uh, the spiritual sniper. <laughs> Why? Because he is gifted at exegeting the text and the gospel of Jesus Christ with precision. Then, with elocutionary excellence, he's in also oratory, able to, 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 to deliver.
with such power. In other words, y'all pastor is bad. Your <laughs> pastor is bad. We thank God. So an honor and humble to come and share uh, on this day that you celebrate 127 years of faithful service and leadership that the Lord continues to do in this branch of Zion. Come to encourage you once a day. I'm not here by myself. Come with our leading lady, Shalos. I bring greetings from Shalos Baptist Church in Clayton, Virginia. I'm also thankful for Minister Constance Jesus, our first lady, our leading lady, my only lady. And I'm grateful that she is my daughter in my heart. And she is sharing here today with our son. Last time we were here, we didn't have a son. In 19 years, we've celebrated Holy Matrimony. The Lord said, Guess what? I'll send you something. Certainly, he has sent the package unto us that we are indeed grateful, honored, and joyful to have Nicholas Michael Cheeks in our lives. So he's he's he was worshiping earlier. He done worshiped himself to sleep. He loves church. Amen. He's almost one celebrating his one first birthday in a couple of weeks here. Also have our nephew son. He's been a son to us. Our nephew minister Darius Fennell, a powerful preacher, theologian in his own right. Then there are some other shy lights in the house. Shy lights, just wave your hands. I see the Shelton's in the house. I see the cute Charles over here in the house. Y'all playing hooky today. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. So good to have you all sharing here today to all clergy members assembled here by way of pulpit and pews and all the officers, members, and friends. The Lord is good. It's good to just be in the house on this Sunday morning. It won't take much time. Turn with me to Mark, uh, Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> God bless you, choir, music ministry. It's nothing like bring heat in the Before you put the leverage of nature to cook it, you gotta bring heat in. Wow. Love set in the atmosphere. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, beginning at verse 12, the New International Translation. Reads thusly, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say, go to verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, fig tree you cursed has withered. Blessed is the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated even in his presence. Hallelujah. As you go to your seat, I need you to help me preach this morning. Uh, turn to your neighbor really quick. Somebody in the left and right say, neighbor. Yeah. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Don't be a tree. Don't be a tree. In trouble. In trouble. Amen. Look at somebody on the other side. Tell them, don't be a tree. In trouble. 
from the moment that is mine and the auspices of the Holy Spirit, I want to preach, teach, and just have a conversation with you all from that phrase, a tree in trouble. It's not going to be long. I'll just be finished when I get through. <laughs> just going to take about 20 minutes, give or take an hour, and we'll get through it. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this, this opportunity and privilege to worship you, to gather in your presence, and to celebrate you for what you've done down through these 127 years. We ask now that you continue to do a work in this place of ministry, in the life of this community in which you have situated this branch of Zion. We thank you for leadership. We thank you for ministries that are alive and serving the kingdom while advancing it at the same time. Now we're asked while celebrating you, that you would speak a word to us with anointing and power that it might destroy the oaks, that it might do what you intended it to do not return to your void. So we thank you in advance for what we're about to receive. Speak, Lord, is all I'm asking. Speak so all of us can hear from you and we'll all have a testimony that we encountered you on this day. So we thank you and ask that you would save someone today, that you would heal someone today, and that you would deliver someone today. In the mighty, matchless, majestic name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, we pray. And we all say Amen. Look at your neighbor one more time and tell them, don't be a tree. Zion, when you study the Bible, you'll discover that at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, all the way to the end of the Bible, it's Revelation chapter 22, that God has always had an interesting or a unique relationship with trees. In fact, God has had such a unique relationship with trees he would use the tree metaphorically to speak of a relationship between him and his people. For instance, when God talked about the righteous person, God compared the righteous person to a tree. Psalm 1, verse 3, God said that a righteous person shall be like a tree which is planted beside rivers of water. They will bring forth fruit in season. Their leaves will not wither. Whatever that person did, it shall prosper. God spoke about the reward for the righteous person. God compared their reward to a tree. Revelations 22, verse 14, the Lord says, The faithful's reward is that they might have a right to the tree of life, and that they might enter through the gates into the city. That's because God has always had a unique relationship with trees. Because God has had this unique relationship or affinity with trees, it is no surprise that we see trees throughout Scripture serving as the backdrop in various or in different scenarios. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 24, God used the tree to start battles. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, God used the tree to stop bitterness because you'll see throughout the Bible, God uses trees. It's also very interesting to note that every person throughout the Bible also used trees as props. A man named Adam hid behind the tree. A man named Elijah sat beneath the tree. A man named Zacchaeus, short man named Zacchaeus, climbed up a tree just so he could see Jesus. Of course, a man named Jesus 
hung, bled, and died on a tree. This is because all throughout the Bible, you will discover that God used trees. In fact, trees are so prominent in the Bible that the one thing you will never see is a tree in trouble. One thing you'll very rarely see in Scripture is a tree that's in trouble. This is why this text requested my attention for us today because when you peruse the periphery of a particular pericope that I read in your hearing, you will discover that this tree is in trouble. This tree is in so much trouble that when you read verse 14, Jesus looked at the tree and Jesus says to the tree, you shall never bear fruit again. I don't know how y'all feel about it, but this tree is in trouble. Jesus meets the tree, the first thing that he says to the tree that comes out of the Lord's mouth is that the tree shall never bear fruit again. Now, before we move forward, I think it's important for us to understand exactly why Jesus spoke to the tree in the manner in which he did. On the periphery of the text, it looks as if Jesus is being rather hard on the tree. For Jesus to walk up to this tree, meeting this tree for the first time, and telling the tree, you should never bear fruit ever again, it seems like Jesus is being hard on the tree. After all, the God that you and I serve is a God of another chance, isn't he? God that we serve is the God of mercy. He is the God of grace. He is the God of new opportunities who is slow to anger. Do I have a witness in here today? So I had to investigate this narrative because it looks like Jesus is being unfair. He's being hard. He's being critical. He's being too judgmental on the tree. But to understand why Jesus said what he said to the tree, we first got to understand that Jesus has a different standard by which he judges than we do. Don't miss this. Jesus never judged the way, judged man the way we judge man. Jesus judges on the basis of productivity and not on the basis of presentation. Okay? Whenever the Lord judges a person or a thing, he never judges on the basis of presentation, but he always judges on the basis of productivity. That's just the opposite of you and I because we judge on the basis of presentation and not on productivity. In fact, most of us are so concerned about presentation that we'll spend all of our money that we don't have to buy stuff that we don't need to impress folk that we don't even like. Most of us run late even this morning or run late wherever we're going because we're looking in the mirror and trying to make sure our presentation is on point. Some, sometimes we're driving down the street, looking in the rear view mirror, applying our lipstick, putting the highlighter on, making sure that least front isn't crooked. We're going, whatever we do, we buy things, apparel, apparel, cheap suits because we're concerned about presentation. Some of us got it so bad that if folks don't compliment us about our presentation, we'll have an attitude the rest of the service. We ain't heard nothing after the first prayer. They didn't compliment your new shirt. They didn't compliment your new suit. They didn't compliment that nice tie. And you got an attitude because you put everything into your presentation. We must understand that the Lord is not concerned as much about presentation as he is about productivity. You don't believe me? Check the record. First Samuel 
chapter 16, verse 7. God doesn't look at the outer appearance. God looks at the heart. When you look at the text for today, if the Lord was concerned about the outer appearance of this tree, the tree would have never been cursed in the first place because this tree had great presentation. In fact, this tree had three things going on for itself. Y'all mind me telling y'all these three things? Number one, this tree was distinguished. It was a distinguished tree because in verse 13, it tells us that it was noticed afar off. It says, from a distance, Jesus saw the tree. Historically, y'all, this tree, the fig tree, it grows on average of 10 to 15 feet tall. And, and so you didn't have to be right up on the tree to notice that it was a fig tree. It was the kind of tree that you would notice from a distance. Anything that's distinguished is something that catches your attention. This tree was the kind of tree that as soon as it walked in the room, it caught your eye. This was the kind of tree that would stand out in the crowd. You, you, you can play in the room and look around, and that would be the one that would stand out in the room. Not only was it distinguished, but number two, it was developed. Look at the eight falls of verse 13. It teaches us that it was a developed tree. The Bible says that it was in leaf. Other translations says full leaf. It, it was developed, y'all. It had leaves and branches all in the right places. Hallelujah. This tree had leaves. I'm going to leave that alone. This tree had leaves all in the right places. So for a fig tree to be a full leaf, it meant that the fig tree had figs. The fig tree had fruit. So that this tree was advertising that it was a full package. Preach, cheeks, I'm trying. It, it wasn't an emaciated tree. It wasn't a skinny or weak-looking tree. It was a developed tree. Not only was it a distinguished tree, not only was it a developed tree, but number three, it was a desirable tree. The Bible says Jesus saw the tree, walked over to the tree, and tried to get something from the tree. But the tree doesn't come to Jesus. Jesus goes to the tree. The, the tree, y'all, had three D's. Yeah, what sister wouldn't want a tree like this? A distinguished, a developed, and a desirable man. What man wouldn't want a distinguished, and a developed, and a desirable woman? This was the kind of tree that on paper looked like it was perfect. This was the kind of tree that you would take home to meet your mama and your daddy. This was the kind of tree, touch like something, I know that's right. This was the kind of tree that you wanted your boys, you wanted your girls to know you were going out Friday night. Some of y'all slid in here late because you were hanging out with your 3 d tree last night. This tree on paper looked like it had it going on. But despite how distinguished it was, how developed it was, and how desirable it was, the tree was still destroyed. When Jesus looked at the tree, Jesus says, you shall never produce. I done lost half of y'all right there. Because something had to be wrong. You, preacher, you just told us all the good things about the tree, but still something had to be wrong with this tree. How can a tree as distinguished, as developed, as desirable be destroyed? How can a tree that looked this good on paper be cursed? This tree had it going on, but Jesus cursed the tree. Why? So glad you asked. Because look at it. Jesus never judges on presentation. Jesus judges on productivity. I done said it several times. If you don't get anything out of this sermon, get that. He doesn't judge on presentation. He judges on productivity. 
Can, can I talk to somebody here today? Someone here today looks like you got it going on. You got it going on on paper. Looks like you got it going on in your life. Looks like you got the right height. You got the right weight. You look good on paper. But I'm here to tell you, boo-boo, that God is not concerned about your presentation. God is only concerned about your productivity. You can sing like an angel. You may preach like Paul. You may be a spiritual erudite and be able to recall and quote all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. But if you're not producing, God is not pleased with your life. You can have the right resume. You can have the right letters in front or behind your name. You can have all kinds of degrees. But there are people with degrees going to hell by degrees. Because God is not concerned with your presentation. God is concerned with your productivity. Look at somebody telling you, you've got to produce. You gotta produce. Y'all mind if I unpack this text real quick? The relevant question, preachers, of the text is why couldn't this tree produce? This must be asked and answered of the text. Why? Why couldn't it produce? Because based on this text, it is implied that if you're not producing, God doesn't need you. I didn't say God doesn't want you. I said if you don't produce, God doesn't need you. That is what's implied of the text. And guess what, y'all? It's true. God doesn't need us. We need God. Some of us have the nerve to sit up here and act like God needs us. Some of us have the nerve to act like can't nothing happen or be done without us unless we're there. My God. Some of us act like we only fish in the sea. We only pebble in the sand. We only star in the sky. Don't do this. Don't do me this favor, but listen, die. See what happens. I bet you they'll wheel you right on in here. That's perfect. Say a few nice things about you. Wheel on back now. Put you under some dirt. Come back in here. Eat some chicken. And go run about their business. But don't do me that shit. Don't act like can't nothing happen without you. No. The devil is a liar. God doesn't need you. You need God. Can I share a few things that I discovered in, in why this tree couldn't produce? And we'll go ahead and let you a few ado. Here it is. The tree couldn't produce because it wasn't in sync with the season. The tree couldn't produce because it wasn't in sync with the season. Verse 13 says, Jesus went over the tree, reached in the tree, but he found nothing because the tree was not in the season for figs. The fig tree, rather, was trying to get ahead of its season. Okay, let me say it this way. The reason the tree wasn't able to produce is because the tree was trying to be something that it wasn't ready to become. The tree wasn't ready to be a fig tree. I discovered, y'all, that you have to be ready to be what you want to be. And there are a whole lot of folk out here, y'all, who are trying to be something that they're not ready to become. Why? Because you've got to move in the timing of God. I don't care how bad you want it. Your development has to line up with your desire. Sometimes we want something, we want to be something, but we want it too early because our development has yet to line up with our desires. I shall never forget y'all as a child. I used to walk on through the house, and every time I walked through the house, I'd fall down every now and again. At four or five steps, I'd fall, bust my head open. I would incur all kinds of injuries all around about here. Yeah, scars all up in here. You said everything. My parents had to put baby through the house, all that kind of stuff that we're trying to do right now for our one-year-old. I didn't have vertigo, y'all. I wasn't clumsy. I didn't have any type of disabilities. The reason I was falling down all the time was because I was walking around in my father's shoes. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the reason. I was walking around the house in my father's shoes. My feet weren't big enough to fit in my daddy's shoes. So I'd fall every time I wanted to walk like my dad. If only I would have waited over time, my feet not only would fit, but exceed his size. If only I would have waited over time, my feet would grow into the shoes. How many times do we fall on our faces because we're trying to fit into something we ain't ready to fit into? Help me in the Holy Ghost. Everybody who can preach getting ready to be a pastor. Everybody in the choir, just because you can sing doesn't mean you're ready to leave the music ministry. Sometimes you have to wait till your designer catches up with your development. I hate to say this, but there are some couples who got married and end up in divorce because they wanted a wife, they wanted a husband so bad, but they weren't ready for it. God told me to tell somebody today, if you can't treat your girlfriend right, you can't treat your boyfriend right, you ain't ready to have a husband. You ain't ready to have a wife. If, if you don't even clean up your apartment, how do you think I'm going to give you a house? <laughs> you don't need to give tithes on your minimum wage job. What makes you think God's going to make you a supervisor? Ah, that can feel a church house. You've got to be ready to be what you want to be. And the problem with this tree is that the tree wasn't in sync with the season. Listen, beloved, God has some stuff for you, but you've got to be ready for it. Look at your neighbor, something you got to be ready. Unfortunately, y'all, there, there are many of us here today, this morning, this afternoon, who are just like this tree. We have a desire, but we don't have a development. We have a readiness, but we don't have righteousness. We have a passion, but we don't have any progression. We have a motive, but we don't have any maturity. We, we, there are people just like this tree, and God is saying, get in sync with the season. This may be the time and season for somebody here today to focus on getting ready for what you are to become. This may be the time and the moment of your life to focus on self-growth. This may be the moment of your life to not worry about being something that you're not ready to become. This may not be the season to start your own business. This may not be the season to be the leader of a ministry. This may not be the season for you to walk down the aisle of holy matrimony. This may not be the season for you to try to step out and do it on your own. Because this may be the season that you just need to simply be a follower of Jesus Christ. This may be the season that you need to sit under some solid and sound teaching. This may be the season that you need to downsize your circle. This may be the season to develop some patience and some perseverance. This may be the season to sit down and let God pour into you instead of you keep pouring out. How about somebody makes himself get in sync with the season? We got to get in sync with the season. Another reason why the tree couldn't produce is because the tree wasn't situated in the right soil. Wasn't in sync with the season, but it also wasn't uh, in the right soil. Wasn't situated in the right soil. You've got to be situated in the right soil. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 19, in the New International Translation, Matthew recorded the same story, but noted that Jesus passed the fig tree on the side of the road. What's interesting, church, is that that phrase, beside the road, suggests to us that it was a lone fig tree. A lone fig tree. On the periphery of the text, it appears that there's nothing wrong with that. But you got to understand something about fig trees. Fig trees require cross-pollination. Okay, let me come get you. Fig trees require cross-pollination. Cross-pollination suggests that fig trees need other fig trees in order to produce. 
see, a fig tree has to have participation of other fig trees in order for that fig tree to produce figs. Say it again. The fig tree by itself cannot be productive. A fig tree by itself cannot produce figs. But in order for the fig tree to produce figs, fig tree has to use other fig trees. Y'all ain't get it yet? Fig tree by itself cannot generate enough nutrients to produce figs. The fig tree cannot produce figs by itself. But a fig tree has to hook up with other fig trees to generate figs. I want to suggest somebody here today that the reason why some of us can't fend off the devil, can't keep our minds focused on Jesus, can't seem to live a lifestyle that exudes that of a disciple of Jesus Christ, is because we haven't hooked up with other fig trees. What am I trying to say, nephew? Uh, you are not as productive as you should be because you are trying to do it all by yourself. We are not productive because we are afraid to hook up with other fig trees. I want to suggest somebody today that the reason the church has sat on the sidelines of just allowing evil to prevail in this world is because we aren't together. If only we would join together. If only we would get together. If only I would join my prayer with your prayer. If only you would join your praise with her praise. If only he would join his worship with her worship. If only we would get together. If only we would get out of a box of differences and get together. Yo, listen, we got to stop competing against each other. This tree over there is taller than that tree over here. And that tree over there got more figs than that tree does over there. If only we could get together, we could defeat the devil on every tournament. There are so many churches out here trying to be long fig trees. There are so many preachers out here trying to be long fig trees. Instead of working together, we are competing with one another, trying to outserve one another, trying to outpreach one another. The devil is a liar. If John hooked up with Matthew, if Mark got with Luke, if Paul hooked up with Peter, then my God, not great a little of Zion Baptist Church, ought to hook up with Shia. Church and my God and Antioch ought to hook up with Zion and Zion hook up with Shiloh and then you have the Methodists hooking up with the Baptists and the Pentecostal getting together with the Presbyterian. If only our churches got together with their church, we could defeat the devil together. The Holy Ghost. And I gotta say, only the whites got with the blacks, and the blacks got with the whites, the Jews got with the Christians, and the Christians got with the Jews. If only we got together, we could defeat the devil! Families are being destroyed. Holy matrimony is under attack. Children have succumbed to suicide. And the leaders of this country have lost their way. Could you imagine what this nation, what this world would be if only we got together? I try to live something. We gotta get it together. We gotta, we gotta do it together. We gotta do it together. Dr. Murphy, since Murphy, I've been doing ministry for almost 20 years now, and I have no idea where this comes from, but I've discovered uh, folk in ministry who have this lone ranger mentality. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from, but there's this mentality that I don't need nobody else. I don't need anybody. The devil is a liar. We all need somebody. 
We all need somebody. The Lone Ranger mentality doesn't make any sense because even the Lone Ranger. Come on now. Had time. <laughs> he wasn't by himself. You need somebody too. If Batman had Ron, if Scooby had Strappy, if Fred Fritzstone had Myra, if Andy Griffith had Barney Heights, you and I need somebody because we can't make it by ourselves. The reason this tree was not productive is because the tree was not in sync with the season. It wasn't situated in the right soil. But lastly, y'all, uh, the tree wasn't productive because the tree wasn't satisfying to the Savior. What is satisfying to the Savior in the message version, written by Eugene Peterson, it says, he came up to the tree expecting to find something for breakfast, but found nothing but leaves. Jesus approached the tree. He approached the tree, number one, with expectation. Somebody say expectation. Could you imagine what would happen in this place if we all came here today with expectation? We all came with great expectation that somebody's, somebody's going to be healed, somebody's going to be delivered, somebody's going to find a financial breakthrough. If we all came with some great expectation, the Bible teaches us that the, thing, the things in the leaves grew at the same time, so when Jesus approached the tree, he expected to find figs. He had expectations. Number two, when Jesus approached the tree with a normal expectancy, watch this, Jesus approached the tree with an appetite. Amen. The Bible says it's early in the morning, and so he's traveling back and forth from Bethany to Jerusalem, and while traveling, he approaches the tree hungry. He's hungry because he's 100% God, but he's also 100% man at the same time. My God. He's hungry because he has this dualistic nature operative on the inside. He's hungry because even though uh, even though he's all God, he's still man. He's hungry because on his mother's side, he's all human. But on his father's side, he's all divine. Which means every now and again, y'all, that sometimes he act like his mama. Sometimes he act like his dad. He had this dualistic nature on the inside of him, and that's why the text says he was hungry. So out of his appetite and expectancy, he approached the tree with an appetite and expectation. But Jesus is disappointed. He's disappointed because the tree is betrayed to be something that is not. Tree is betrayed to be a fig tree because it has leaves on it, but when he reaches into it, it has no God. I wonder. I wonder what you would think if the Lord showed up and reached in your life because it gave you a presentation. God, I hear that church loss again. Jesus is not satisfied with the victory because it's pretending to be one thing when it's really something else. Let me kill a devil in this house right here. I'm here to tell somebody that according to the book of Revelations, the Lord would rather you be hot or cold. Because all this lukewarm stuff, he cannot stay. The Lord would rather you be sheep or goat, wheat or tear, righteous or unrighteous. But this great stuff, he can't get with. Let me say it like this. I would rather you to tell me you can't stand my guts to my face rather than you smile in my face and stab me in my
not that. What am I trying to say? Be who you are. If you're going to be saved, be saved. If you're going to be unsaved, be unsaved. And, but just listen, don't tell me you're one thing and act like another. This tree wasn't satisfying to the Savior. Uh, and the Bible says Jesus cursed the tree. Jesus cursed the tree, and the tree withered from the roots up. What's interesting about this is that the tree was cursed and didn't even know it was cursed. God help me. Because the tree withered from the roots up. Which means the curse started beneath the ground. And so the tree was cursed and didn't even know it. And that's how some people are today. That there's a curse on their lives and they don't even know they're cursed. The tree had presence because it was still there, but it had no purpose. The tree had visibility, but it had no viability. The tree had essence, but it didn't have any essentials. The tree had form, but it did not produce fruit. The tree was cursed from the roots up. No doctor, no lawyer, no social worker, no deacon, no preacher could reverse the curse. There's no hope for this tree, y'all. This tree was cursed from the roots up. And I know some of y'all saying, why did pastor bring a preacher to come in here on our celebratory day to talk about a cursed tree? Well, listen, as I hasten to a close, this thing bothered me like it bothers you. Because as a trained preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm trained to always find and extract the good news of the text. But this text caused me some tension. I had to wrestle because there's no good news in this text. This tree was cursed. This tree never recovered. This tree never prospered. This tree never produced fruit again. And that thing bothered me, Shiloh. There's no good news in this text. But church, it was a great little Zion. I discovered that this is not the only tree that's in trouble in Scripture. I found another tree that was in trouble. There's a tree over in the gospel, according to the great physician, Luke. In chapter 13, verse, verse 6, this tree was facing the same thing. But the difference from that tree in this tree is that that tree had a vine dresser. That tree had somebody interceding on its behalf. That tree had somebody saying, please, don't cut this tree down. I know this tree has presentation. I know this tree looks good on the outside. And I know this tree isn't producing. But please, don't cut this tree down. Please, give this tree another chance. Oh, God, I'm trying to suggest to somebody here today that we're just like the tree that I preached about in Mark's gospel. But we ought to thank God that God did not cut us down. Oh, God, I'm going to shout myself. We ought to thank God that God gave both you and me another chance. We ought to thank God today that when God should have cut you down, when God would have cut you down, could have cut you down, that somebody stepped in and interceded on your behalf. I wish I had a witness. You had somebody saying, God, leave her alone. You had somebody saying, God, give him another opportunity. You had somebody saying, I know they didn't cross their T's. I know they didn't knock every eye. But God, give them another chance. God, I know they're not living right. I know they're not living what they heard preached. I know they're not living what is preached to them. And I know that she's a hypocrite. I know that he's been smoking, drinking, and lying, and sleeping around. But you ought to thank God today. And I know that I'm not talking to just myself. But there was a man by the name of Jesus. And step right 
stop the axe from taking you down. I wish I had somebody in here today who was honest enough to say that yes, I used to be a tree in trouble, but look at me now. Do I have any use of the trees? Do I have any ex-trees who were in trouble? But the good news is you came to Jesus just as you were. You were weary, worn inside, but you found in him a resting place, and he has made you glad. Can somebody say he's talking about me? Give your neighbor a low five, because y'all want to act like you got it all together. And you don't want anybody to know that you used to be a tree in trouble. But if I'm talking to you today, you don't care who's looking at you. Give your neighbor a high five and say, you should have cut me out. He should have taken me out a long time ago. But that man named Jesus. situated in the wrong soil, and though the tree was satisfying to the Savior, here's what shouts me Murphy's. Ah, the tree is never out of touch with the Savior. (laughs) Hallelujah. High five your neighbor, tell him, he still touched me. (laughs) Yeah! He still touched me. He still touched me. He still touched me. I wish I had a church. Who sinned before? Are there any sinners in here who knows what sin is all about? But are there any persons in here who are saved by grace? You are a sinner, saved by grace. Which means that even though while you were yet sinning, he demonstrated his love for you. He died because he loved you. I thought your neighbor tell him he loves you. And since he loves you, he touched you. I was a tree in trouble, but he touched me. I used to be to myself, but he touched me. I used to be evil, but he touched me. I find somebody tell me you don't have to be a tree in trouble. You don't have to be a tree in trouble. Just tell the Lord to touch me one more again. You touch me once, but touch me one more again. What are you saying, preacher? Well, if you go over a couple chapters in Mark chapter 8, around about the 25th verse, you'll hear it say one more again. What do you mean, preacher? Well, there was a blind man that Jesus took out the city. He took him out the city of Bethsaida. He said, come from the people who are carrying you. Because sometimes you got to be separate from the people who have their hands on you. And sometimes you let the wrong people touch you. And so Jesus said, come with me. Jesus took the man out the city. And listen, y'all, he began to to gather the sight-restoring solution. I don't know about y'all, but when I heard Jesus reach for the sight-restoring solution, I would have left Jesus right there. Because what are you saying? I'm saying he spit on the ground. He took the solution and put it on the man's eyes. And the Bible said, he asked the man, what do you see? Do you see anything? And I shout myself because sometimes you're looking for everything to be different, but do you see anything? I know things look crazy in the world, but do you see your children still getting A's in school? I know this administration has lost its mind, but do you still see income coming in? Do you see anything? He said, I see people, they're walking around like 
trees. He said, wait a minute, because if you start to see people like objects, I got to do it one more time, because you shouldn't treat people like objects. You stick one more time. What am I trying to tell you? The Bible says the one more did. He didn't just touch the man once. He touched the man twice. I don't know about you, but I need the Lord to touch me again. And I'm so glad that I'm never out of touch from the Savior. That the Savior is always within reach. Yeah! Thank you, Lord, for touching my life. And there's somebody here today who needs another touch. You ought to say, Lord, here I am. Touch me. Lord, here are my roots. Here are my branches. Here are my leaves. Here are my limbs. Here's my life. Touch me again. I want to produce. Do you want to produce? Does anybody want to produce? I want to produce fruit. Here's my life. Here's my life. Here's my life. Touch me again. He touched me. He touched me. He touched me. He touched me. I said he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. Can anybody thank the Lord today? Can anybody thank the Lord today? Has the Lord ever blessed your life? You want to tell the Lord thank you for giving you another chance. Wish your neighbor come, he gave me another chance. I wouldn't be crying. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. If the Lord didn't give me another chance, he gave me another chance. Point at your neighbor, tell him you don't have to be a tree in trouble. You don't have to be a tree in trouble. You're never too far from the Lord's reach. You're never out of touch from the Lord. Uh, the Lord is reaching for you right now. All you got to do is let him touch you. All you got to do is get in sync with the season. Let's all stand. All you got to do is get situated in the right soil.